According to moleday.org, today is mole day. Should I have been rereading Wind in the Willows? No, it turns out that t- today isn't about the small burrowing animal, as in Wind in the Willows, and the idyllic, I, I can't even say it. Idyllic? Idyllic, <laughs> idyllic tale of the English countryside and the riverbanks with Mr. Toad and Molly and Rat and their friend Badger. No, 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 it's not about that. And before you ask, it isn't about the skin blemish, a spy or a Mexican source, which I've never heard of. So does that mean we're celebrating the protective structure of stone or concrete that extends from the shore into the water to prevent a beach from washing away? No, we aren't. Put that dictionary away, mate. (laughs) Okay, sorry. So that just leaves the mole that I faintly remember from long ago chemistry lessons. Uh, yeah, that's the one. I'm remembering something about Avogadro's number atoms and grams. Okay, well, you're talking completely different language to uh, what I understand. So it's a good job our guest today, Dr. Anna Watson, is waiting in the green room to help me out. Oh, well, we better let her out then. Okay, shall we open the green door? The green door. Oh, I've done it again. The green room door. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I have oiled the door, by the way. You've no idea how much money we spend on sound effects for this podcast. (laughs) Welcome, Anna. Hi, good to be here. I do wonder I might be here under false pretenses, though, because I'm not sure I can remember any more about the Avogadro constant. We even had, <laughs> as, when we were doing chemistry at school, we had to, we actually rec- called it the avocado number because, I don't know, it just made us, you it know. It seems easier. <laughs> yeah, it seemed easier. Who was this dude anyway? I was going to say, and who is he? Oh, and before we do that, our green room... Did you see how I laid out all the drinks in the little test tubes? Oh, yeah. But can I just say next time, can I have them in 500 mil beakers? A little I bit think. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> more alcohol is what you're saying. Absolutely more alcohol. <laughs> Particularly on a, you know, cool day like today. That oh, would be good. Definitely. Oh, hot chocolate. Isn't it a thing having drinks out of chemistry glassware? Is there a, is there a thing yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good idea not to have taken them from your local chemistry lab, though. No, you, yeah, you'd hope there'd be nothing, you know, already there in them. I, yeah, I, I chose them because we've got some uh, little shot glasses. Really? Yeah. Oh, really. wow. <laughs> really? My shot You're glasses so cool. look like shot glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Watson. No one calls me that. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, Trying not to make a Sherlock Holmes joke. Yeah. Resisting. Oh. Resisting. No, it's too oh. late. You've done it, you've done it. Where's Sherlock Holmes? Oh. <laughs> oh. So who is this Who is this guy and why has he got a mole? Oh my goodness. Um, like I said, you've really got the wrong person. I couldn't remember anything about him. I had to look it up. So he's an Italian scientist. And I'm sure it's a really useful kind of number and and then also a constant and it's to do with how many particles there are in something but you know what on a daily basis and I (laughs) do uh, science stuff I never think about it so I'm sure that somebody somewhere is using this on a daily basis and I know that if you do A-level chemistry you have to know about it but I haven't thought about it since then so like I say I feel a bit of a fraud. Oh don't I know nothing I didn't even know there's a mole in chemistry (laughs) so there we go. So, (laughs) (laughs) you might know more though. Do you know more, Ian, about it? Well, um, I am a Wikipedia level expert on all the topics that we uh, we discuss. We call it research. (laughs) 
I've read many things that I, I find incomprehensible, like the average mass of one molecule of water is about 18.0153 Daltons. I, I know that somewhere there's an expert in chemistry who knows what that means. Yeah, I think get them next time. <laughs> but one mole of water <laughs> contains 6.0221476 times 10 to the power of 23, which I think is something like six with 23 zeros after it. You see, I can't even imagine that. No. That's, well, I can imagine it written down, like on a long piece of paper, but I can't imagine what a number that huge well, is. Well, you can look at it, because if you measure out 18.0153 grams of water, then that's how many water molecules will be in it. That's great. I am going to go home and do that tonight. I'm looking at a mole of water. I'm, I'm drinking. I'm drinking it. I've drunk a mole of water. And that's what we can do to celebrate this being mole day. We can all go and weigh out our, our mole of water and then go, cheers, Avogadro. What would we have done without you? <laughs> Equally, we could uh, uh, find how much a mole of alcohol weighs. I think that and is could, way better. We could, we could weigh out that much gin. <laughs> Also, I'm numerically dyslexic. This is never going to work for me. So I'm just going to pour out a measure of gin and, and celebrate it anyway. I think that sounds good. So am I guessing that this, this theory and a mole is not something that you use on a day-to-day basis? What do you do on a day-to-day basis, Anna? What do I do on a day-to-day basis? Sometimes I ask myself that as well. So I work for a charity. We work on chemicals and human health and the environment. So you'd think that I would be spending my day sort of, you know, almost like like looking at chemistry textbooks, but in fact, not doing that at all. Trying to make sure that the most recent science on how chemicals impact on human health gets to policymakers. So, you know, we can protect people from hazardous chemicals in everyday products so yeah it can involve things that I'm sure many people do you know being on Facebook being on Twitter you know sending emails unfortunately not at a chemistry lab with test tubes but hey I wouldn't mind doing that sometimes <laughs> I was gonna say I just love a good Bunsen burner me oh I loved Bunsen burner, oh, I love a good Bunsen burner. when you put your big pen in and it all twisted okay. at the end you know when it all men- melted oh I was never that naughty <gasps> Did you know we used to burn our jumpers, our school, our, our school uniform jumpers? We used to take the threads off and burn them in the Bunsen burner. I'm sure that that we, would d- we not don't be say allowed. that's a good idea, do we? No, no, it's absolutely. Please don't repeat any of this. At, don't do this at home. Do not do this. At do home. not do this at home. No. no, I made a mistake of mentioning to my children that I had done these things, and they said, "Mum, we would we would get excluded if we did that in our chemistry lessons." I went, <laughs> "Don't." do this then <laughs> yes. i think the naughtiest i got was like you know when you put the filings in through the months and then it makes like little firework that, that was about it for me yeah no so just to be clear kids this podcast does not have the ability to give you permission to do anything yeah <laughs> <laughs> just just being really clear yeah. apart um, from looking up who avogadro is on wikipedia you can do that yeah yes we give you permission to do that <laughs> and find out where he's got a mole not where he's got a mole but why he's got a mole i've got very good news about how to drink a mole of alcohol because it's 46.07 grams which is a lot more than the water was 
Oh, oh. I'm. You, he's so. He was. He was multitasking there. I know. We were talking, and you were listening, and you were looking up. I didn't know that that was something that you know everybody was able to do, particularly men. Actually, well, I, I don't think anyone's able to do it. So what I was actually doing was looking up the thing and and not listening. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Rude. Fess up. That's yeah. good. I am, I'm a. I'm a bad person. I'm going to go and sit in the corner of the green room and think about what I've done while yeah. eating the free snacks. Yes, but you can't have the shot. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Last time we drank alcohol on this podcast, I poured most of mine into your brand Kurt name Geiger. shoe. Kurt Geiger shoes. Oh, was that was that by mistake, or were you thinking it would taste better out of a shoe? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's how 20 I, dr- years do, old, I drink everything out of a shoe, obviously. <laughs> now, in our podcasting environment, we have quite a lot of wires, and if you place a long, thin glass in amongst the wires and then move anything, the one thing that will guarantee to happen is that the glass will fall over and empty its Prosecco contents into Amanda's shoe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, that will happen in any environment, whether Amanda was there or not. <laughs> Somehow her shoe would be the recipient. I'm just shaking my head silently now. I get this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Please shake my head. No. What has chemistry ever done for us? Oh, well, <laughs> yes, thank you, Monty Python, for, uh, for the well, original Well, obviously, you know, we wouldn't have life on this planet, would we? You know, if you think about it, you know, the first life came about through a chemical reaction. So, you know, we have chemical reactions going on in our bodies the whole time. Um, so we can, you know, move and digest our food. If you think about, you know, just moving through your everyday life if you think about cooking that's a chemical action if you know if any of you have got into making sourdough because in lockdown um you know all that reaction there with the sourdough starter and you know obviously everything that's a chemical reaction so you know we are we are like one big the world is like one big petri dish with chemical reactions going on you know all the time photosynthesis is a chemical reaction (laughs) i love photosynthesis Oh, who wouldn't? I can't say it, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there are natural chemicals that occur, you know, let's say in in food anyway, within our bodies. But we've also obviously since, I suppose really sort of from the end of the 1800s, we've got synthetic chemicals. So these are chemicals that do not exist in nature and that we have made. And we've, you know, we've made them either for good reason, because we think they do something useful or... We might have thought they did something useful and then found out that actually they've had quite um, horrendous consequences. <laughs> so obviously one of the classic ones is DDT, was used as a pesticide, but then led to massive decrease in nature in areas that it was used in. So there was unintended consequences of using that synthetic chemical. And that's really, that's kind of what I do. I focus on in my job is looking at where are those chemicals being used in the wrong way we shouldn't be having these chemicals in products in our everyday life yeah, it's interesting isn't it it all seems to boil down to the profit motive it's rather than what does this chemical do that benefits the world it's a will someone give me money for this chemical yeah and then you know we've got lots and lots of different regulation and you know what gets regulated in the states is very different to what gets regulated in europe and then you know the uk goodness knows you know where we'll be so it is and you know like you say the profit motive is is really huge and the industry will always say oh this chemical is essential but you know we have things like chemicals which we know can harm human health in cosmetics and would you you know you'd argue is that a really good use of that chemical if we know it's it's problematic 
Shall we not just use it in the really essential things we might need it for, such as medical equipment or something, rather than have it in cosmetic to make it more waterproof? At the end of the day, that's not essential for human existence, but the other one is probably really good for society. That and so true. these are sort of, you know, these are the, the kind of discussions that we are in as a charity who wants to make sure people are protected from chemicals. You know, these are the conversations we have with the industry and also, you know, the regulators. So, so what's your best chemical advocacy story? Oh, uh, oh my goodness. Well, there's, some, there's just some really interesting things going on at the moment around what chemicals are used in food packaging. So you'd think that really if you had food packaging that it, you know, everybody would know that the chemicals that you're using would be totally safe because it's in contact with food. And um, unfortunately, there's a group of chemicals called the PFAS chemicals. There's about there's over 4,000 of them. And they're very, very good at being kind of grease, you know, stopping grease going onto paper and card. And you can do a fantastic thing to find out if you've gone to a takeout or if you've got something from, uh, you know, like a, you know, a shop on the high street that sells food. If it's got the PFAS chemical in, you can just drop a little bead of olive oil. And if it forms a bead and it doesn't soak in, it's likely that that packaging has got PFAS in and you absolutely do not want those chemicals in contact with your food they're really really persistent so they will never break down because there's just a bond there that doesn't exist in nature so because it doesn't exist in nature there isn't anything that's evolved to really break it down I think it's in maybe just in one one example somewhere Um, so they're found everywhere around the globe and they're really persistent and they build up in your body So even though we don't know the full consequences of what they may do in the body, any chemical that builds up in your body, you would be concerned about it because obviously it takes years for the health impacts to be known. So if you're, you know, you can go around and and check your sandwich boxes and the stuff that you get from the supermarket by just doing that little B test. And what we're trying to do is we're working with another organisation to really sort of get that known and the we're now getting companies and retailers to start saying they're going to stop using these chemicals in their food packaging, which is great. But we've still got quite a long way to go on that. So this podcast, informative and useful because yes. not only do you know that this problem exists, but you've got the test. So you get your bit of olive oil and and plonk it on. So is it just in like plastic containers or is it greaseproof paper and other things It's things well? like greaseproof paper. It might be on bakery bags. So I don't want to name any brands, but you can probably go to well-known Our legal defence fund is, is Brands is on, the, on, the, on the high street. Get your takeout, you know, whatever sandwich. Take it home. Do your little bead test. I did it the other day. I got some takeout chips and this packaging said it was compostable. I thought, oh, okay, so it's not plastic. That's interesting. I'm going to check if it's got PFAS in. Did the little bead test perfect little beads of olive oil and so unfortunately that packaging isn't really compostable because if I put it in my compost it just means I've now got those chemicals in my compost and I don't and I don't want them going into the compost because then they get taken up by the plants you know that I'm growing in my garden so yeah so you can go and do your own chemistry experiments at home basically (laughs) to find out what's going on. That just reminds me of having a chemistry set when I was uh, exposed eight or nine or something and I made hydrogen sulfide with it oh, which um, <laughs> is very interesting because it's the smell that comes from rotten eggs so it is absolutely disgusting but uh, it turned out as I found out later it's also deadly poisonous <laughs> 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 you know 
That must be back in the days before health and safety, obviously. I had one as well. And I just loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. It's like like cookery, but more dangerous. No, it is. It's just that, and that is the lovely thing about it. It's like, you know, if kids are doing cookery, that is like they're doing chemistry. It's a way that, you know, I wish that maybe people could make it more relatable to every day. And then I think, you know, you often find that, you know, you might have less girls going into chemistry thinking it's got to be you know it's a very male subject and I think there are ways that you could teach it to make people understand that Mm. you know it's just happening and actually it's really important to understand how this works in your everyday life yeah yeah but the thing is of course it's tough at the moment because the kids aren't doing any practicals at school with covid going on so yeah I wonder you know it would be great if the kids were coming home with little experiments that we could be doing sort of in the kitchen because there's loads of stuff you can use in the kitchen vinegar and bicarbonate of soda and lemon juice and you know making a visible ink and all of that sort of stuff I used to do that one of my favorite things and obviously sort of the bicarb volcano doing that with my kids as well that's just so so such good fun oh it's great so if you wanted to do that I suppose you could just go online and find some websites that can do kitchen chemistry yeah absolutely there's loads of stuff the one thing I do advise though is you know, there was that really kind of um, craze of making slime. Oh, yeah. At home. Well, that's definitely not to make because you use you end up using borax and borax is not something that you want to be having on your skin. Oh, no. But if you're just using stuff that you can just get ordinarily in your kitchen, like say you just go to your cupboards and you've got stuff, that's obviously, that's absolutely fine. And um, we were talking about chemicals that are in everyday sort of products. You talk about cosmetics. We've talked before, I'm allergic to alcohol and people laugh and, and we, I mean, we have alcohol on this, on this podcast and yes, we've had a laugh about it. But seriously, can uh, in cosmetics and um, perfumes and air freshness, stuff like that, it actually, I then start having anaphylactic reactions to it. So I read labels constantly. What the sort of... What are the things that we should be looking out on like everyday sort of household products, like I would say like air fresheners or um, hand washes and stuff? What are the things we should be sort of avoiding really? The one thing that is really great about cosmetics um, in the UK and hopefully it will continue even when we come out because all of our legislation that covers chemicals is European. Yes. So we've got that we've got a slight sort of, you know, what's going to happen here in the UK all cosmetics do have to have, you know, their ingredients listed, which is fab for those reasons, particularly for being allergic to something. You yeah. need to know if you're going to be putting it on your skin. Is there a skin sensitizer? So there's got to be a list. The one thing where some things get hidden is in when they use the term perfume or parfum and they don't need to list everything in there. So obviously that can be a problem. But um, the things to watch on cosmetics are PTFE which is one of these PFAS chemicals I've talked about Mm. often you know and again it's a sort of water repellent so it might be if you've got waterproof cosmetics that's something to be aware of there's the parabens they're used as preservatives in cosmetics they are ones that um, are suspected um, chemicals that interfere with your hormone system so they're definitely ones to try and avoid and some cosmetics will have paraben free on it So that's another one to look out for. It's likely that those parabens will be banned from cosmetics fairly soon, actually. So that's very good news on cosmetics. The thing about the system in the States, though, is the EU has banned over a thousand chemicals from cosmetics. In the States, they've banned 11. 
substances in cosmetics. I know that the government is very keen that we're doing trade deals with other countries. And you can imagine, you know, we don't really want poor cosmetics from the states flooding our market when we've got this more protective system at the moment. It's not perfect. Like I say, there are still some chemicals in there that's useful to look out for, but we're going in the right direction on um, getting rid of those, particularly those ones that impact on the hormone system. As a consumer, where can we go to find out some more information? Well... (laughs) You can. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic question! Yes, I can um, sense you're glad you've been asked that question. So, the organisation I work for is called ChemTrust. We have just launched a fantastic new website, which is all about endocrine disrupting chemicals and what you can do to reduce your risk. Ooh. So, and it's very easy to remember. It's just ChemTrust, ChemTrust, one word, dot org. And we've got information about how they impact on your health and what action you can take. So, you know, there are things I've talked about the PFAS. There are, it's used in nonstick pans. So good idea not to use nonstick pans if you want to reduce your exposure to the PFAS chemicals. There are black plastic cooking utensils tend mm-hmm. to be made from recycled electronic waste. Electronic waste has chemicals in that shouldn't come into contact with food. So it's a good idea not to have those. So we've got a whole list of things you can do as well as obviously some more political action to take if you fancy sort of saying to the government come on do something about it well we will definitely include that link in the notes and uh, then immediately go home and throw away all of our pans and uh, black plastic cooking utensils Uh, (laughs) fun fact uh, one mole of ptfe weighs 100 grams oh Brilliant. I, I see, I've come on this and I'm learning loads as well. <laughs> Every day's a learning Fantastic. day. Yes, yes. Of course, I knew that in my head and didn't Google it <laughs> in any way. Well, thank you, Anna, <laughs> for being a guest on uh, what I'd have to say was one of our more scholarly episodes. I think everyone should check out chemtrust.org. And also molday.org, if only for the amazing mole puns and uh, checking out the winner of their Mould of the Year awards, which I fear we may not be able to apply for next year on the strength of this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm disappointed already. Yes, I know. Shocking, isn't it? That's really super. Thank you so much. Oh, it was lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me on. It's been great. Thanks again to Anna for (laughs) just shut up. The The reason I'm laughing is, Uh, Because obviously I didn't know what was going to be good in this episode. I've put thanks again to Anna for joining us and then something about why it was good. (laughs) I was just watching Amanda getting to the end of that sentence and then having to think on her feet. (laughs) What to say? Okay. Okay. Sorry, that's why I laughed. It was just a peel to my ear. Okay. Uh, Thanks again to Anna for joining us and letting us know how we can be more safe at home and in our environment. Yes, I'm particularly grateful for all the information that will enable me to manage my purchases of cosmetics in the future. <laughs> I'm just interest, interested in how big a mole is, personally. <laughs> it depends, because some moles are very small, like the ones that <laughs> dig underground, and then the thing that holds the beach in place, th- those moles are quite big. <laughs> those are the ones I want for my alcohol consumption. <laughs> and obviously, a mole of alcohol is whatever I said it was when I looked it up. <laughs> I've forgotten already. I think they should be included in the notes yes. afterwards as well. Yes, Definitely. just because otherwise who will have learned anything if, if they can't go away knowing how many grams is a mole of alcohol. 
We'll be back soon with another episode. Um, although I don't know how we're going to top this one. We'll be looking for another fun but informative topic. You can't eat a mole. So I'm going to replay my vote for something edible because it's been ages since World Bacon Day. It has been a while now and that was your favourite. Well, Christmas is coming. Yes. So surely there's going to be some food days around Christmas. Oh, don't remind me. I'm sure that the shops already have uh, decorations in them, even though it's only October. Anyway, the best way to make sure that you catch whatever our next and future episodes turn out to be is to visit our website at dayspodcast.com. From there, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and others and find links to our social feeds. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you should be liking and following us because we're just so science. We're not really that science, are we? As I think we've demonstrated today. (laughs) Follow us anyway, though. Please also rate us on your podcast app and tell people about us, whether that's your friends, family, colleagues, science teachers, etc. Yes, we need more science teachers. And this is our episode to enable us to crack the science teacher market. (laughs) They're going to be rushing to follow you. They will be. Please tell them all about us and the confused but also faintly scientific day's podcast with its hint of knowledge and perhaps a mole of alcohol will rum. help it go down better. Rum. A mole of rum. Yes, definitely. Rum is a blend of molecules of different kinds, so we won't be able to, to perhaps nail that down. Anyway, never mind. Anyway, should we say goodbye? I think we should before I say anything else silly. <laughs> Thanks for listening and bye, bye for, for now. now.